Mean O'Lion Media presents the Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast. Hey, everybody, it's Kevin Waits again, and I'm excited to welcome you to a new episode of Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits. I'm excited to have a good friend uh, and a colleague on tonight, uh, and I'd like to welcome Miss Johanna Haynes. Good evening, Kelvin. Thanks for having me. So glad you agreed to be on. All right, you've been doing pretty good? Been doing okay. Good. Good, good, good. Can you start off? Uh, we have history. We, we've been to a whole mountain together, right? Yes, Can we have. Can you start off by telling the listening audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I have been here in Myrtle Beach for the last 17 and a half years. I came here to take the position of CEO at Care Team Plus. So I've been doing that uh, ever since. Um, prior to that, I'm uh, an Army brat. Uh, my father was um, in the 82nd Airborne at Fort Bragg, so we traveled a little bit, not a lot. Um, I did uh, my school. Well, I went to nine schools in 12 years, so um, that caused a few problems growing up. I learned how to be friends with everyone without really being friends with anyone, if you know what I mean. Um because we were always tra- changing places. Um, so there's good and bad about growing up in the military. Um, I went to Southeast Missouri State for my undergraduate work. I went to the University of Georgia for my graduate work. And um, I've had a variety of positions along the way. Once I got my master's in social work, uh, I worked at some um psychiatric hospitals and uh, worked for a an addictions program in Atlanta for chemically dependent nurses and physicians for a while. And um, so then I got to South Carolina and I worked uh, in HIV in Greenville for several years, about six years, and then came to Myrtle Beach. And I absolutely love it here. That's awesome. I didn't I didn't realize how extensive uh, your background was and the fact that you were army brat. Yes. So can I ask you, uh, because it seems sounds like everything you've been involved with has somehow been serving. Did that that feeling or spirit of service come from your dad? Um, no, actually, it probably came from my mom. My mother wants to take care of everyone all the time. Um, she's always throwing parties for the neighborhood and inviting the new resident uh their neighbors uh, who've just moved in over. And so, yeah, more for her. I didn't get to spend a whole lot of time with my dad and he was very strict. So it was a different relationship with him. I got you. I got you. So you mentioned you came to South Carolina and you've been here for 17 years. Uh, And so tell us about the the organization that you work for, your official title and your mission and, and, and what do you do? Sure. I work for an organization called Care Team Plus. We are a federally qualified community health center lookalike. We've been, uh, we've had that designation since 2018. Care Team has actually been around though for 28 years, serving people with HIV in uh, O'Ree, Georgetown, and Williamsburg counties. We decided to expand, not to leave people with HIV behind, but to be able to provide them a broader range of services. And so now we provide in Ori County primary care services for adults and pediatrics. That's pretty awesome. How important to you is the mission of Care Team? Well, our mission is to provide access to quality health care services when and where people need it, regardless of their ability to pay. And for me, that just is in my heart. 
you know, for years and years and years, I thought, you know, it was so important to make sure that people with HIV had services and had access to medications. And once I stepped into the arena of primary care, I realized that there are a lot of people that don't have access to health care. And I really believe deep down in my heart that health care should be a right, not a privilege for those who can afford it. And unfortunately, in our country now, really, health care is about who can afford it. Wow. So prior to, you said 28 years, Care Team has been in existence. Um, mm-hmm. How did the company start? Well, it um, actually started, um, there was a small organization in the area called Spirit of AIDS. And uh, the uh, guy that ran that program um uh, really expanded when it was time uh, when the government first started providing funds for HIV care back in 1994. So um, uh, he and uh, several other people got together and formed a care team to be able to receive um, grant funds from the state. Our HIV funds are actually passed through from South Carolina Health Department to us. And I think back when he first started, there were 11 or 12 counties that Care Team was serving, which was just a huge area. And um, I don't know if you remember that old movie about uh, HIV in the early days where, you know, people were driving around with medications in the back of their cars and giving it out to to folks who needed it. But um, Chad Lucas and Dr. Bill Davis did that in, in the 11 counties um uh, of this area. Dr. Davis, they would just drive around to people's houses. Um, folks are really isolated, much more than they are now. Um, of course, stigma was horrible back then. But uh, Dr. Davis would see folks in their home, and uh, Chad had a collection of medications from other people who had died from AIDS. And so they had medications left over. Their family members would turn those into Chad at Spirit of AIDS, and and he and Dr. Lewis would drive around the county, and Dr. Lewis would come back out to the car and say, "We'll give this guy this medication," and he so he'd put a new slap a new label on the bottle, and you know, way Ill- illegal nowadays to do stuff like that, but that's in the early days of HIV and how people actually were able to access medications um, because they were so hard to get. But once the federal money came in. Uh, it made HIV care uh, medications accessible to everyone um, in the United States, for sure. So anyone in our area who needed HIV medications got the medications that they needed. And I think a lot of folks said, you know, well, people like Magic Johnson are doing so good because they got the best medications. But no, our folks are taking the medication, same medications he was taking. So HIV has come a long way, thank God. We're running about uh, 96% of people who we're taking care of have what's called a suppressed viral load, which means that the the virus is not in their bloodstream anymore. It's in lymph nodes and other organs in their body. So um, the result of that is that they live good, healthy lives. But the secondary benefit to that is that if you have a suppressed viral load, um, you cannot pass HIV to someone else uh, through sexual contact. So uh, that's helped a lot in um, being able to break down the infection rate in the, 
country. So HIV's come a long way, and people are living much longer lives. It's not easy. A lot of people have really bad problems that are associated with the medications that they took for years. That's pretty awesome. That's some pretty interesting information. Uh, because my next question was going to be in terms of medications, you know, how has there been advances? And you kind of talked about it. And uh, and I'm curious to know what year or what time frame did the breakthrough really come? Really, the breakthrough happened in 1996. They added a different type of medications. They've always called it a sense ACT, which is the original medication. They've uh, treated HIV with medications that attack different parts of the virus. And the last component of that came out in 1996. And people actually got up off their deathbeds and uh, people that think didn't think they were going to make it for another month or two all of a sudden got better and so much better that they were getting off disability and going back to work. And, you know, it's just phenomenal. So even now, um, especially if we can check catch people early in their um, uh, disease state, um, early when they're infected, uh, treatment is awesome. And as long as people are in medical care and take their medications like they're supposed to, they really can live long, healthy lives. And that's the good news. So Wow. So you're currently the CEO of the care team. Did you did you start out with the organization as a CEO? Um, I did. I did. I moved here to, to become the director of this organization. That's so awesome. So tell me, how have you used your platform as the CEO of care team to empower people and improve things for everybody? Gosh, that's a tough one. I think helping people um, really believe that there's an organization out there that cares about them and will take care of them no matter what. We have very diverse staff. Um, We have very diverse uh, patient population. At this point, probably about 25% of the people that we see are folks with no insurance and low income. We see a lot of people, middle-class folks, that uh, don't have insurance either because if you work for a small company, you, you don't have, they don't have to provide you health care. And it's not uh, real affordable. Uh, even the Affordable Care Act has helped a lot, um, but health care is still very, very expensive. So, and especially for smaller organizations, uh, we don't get discounts in health care cost. So like me, someone over 60, to buy health care, for care team to buy health care for me is about $1,100 a month. And they don't because I'm on my wife's insurance, so that helps. But yeah, we pay full price for insurance. But I think, um, kind of got off topic there, but I think just being able to to spread the word and let folks know that um, everyone is welcome uh, at Care Team, and it doesn't matter what your background is, and it doesn't matter what your issues are, whether you have HIV or uh, hepatitis C, or you're older and retired, just moved to Myrtle Beach and Overy County um, from the north. Lots of people are doing that now, and. So there's a place for everyone. We do pediatrics. Um, so we have uh, young folks in, young couples in. So we do a little bit of everything. 
That's good. Uh, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about a conversation I had with a pastor uh, one time and he was we were talking about service. And uh, this was kind of offline after a presentation I did. And he said, Kevin, I, I really want to ask you something about service. He said, because I'm struggling. I said, well, OK, what are you struggling with? And he says, listen, uh, uh, and I'm just being totally transparent. You know, my job is is to teach people about salvation and do my best I can to to bring him to Christ. He was just describing, giving me his job description. I said, okay. And he said, but I struggle. I struggle sometimes when it comes to dealing with the LGBTQ plus community. And so I got quiet and, and, uh, and I said, let me ask you a question. I said, you told me what your job is. Uh, and I get it. I understand that. I said, but depending on who you're dealing with, how does your mission change? And he got quiet and I could hear a pin drop. And he said, well, Kevin, my mission doesn't really change. And so as I heard you talk, all I thought about was the fact that service doesn't require acceptance. You don't you don't if you're truly serving. Right. Humanity. If we're truly serving, you don't you don't have time to pick and choose who you serve. You know, you just you serve and you uh, provide resources for people that need them, all people. And so that is what I you know, as you were talking just now. And that's uh, that's what I heard. That's what was screaming out to me. And that's what we do. And I, and I think that's the, the most important part. Um, so many people just don't feel welcome uh, and especially in the environment that we're in now, it seems over the last five or six years that, uh, and I think I was telling you earlier that uh, I have never been uh, yelled at or called uh, ugly names uh, because uh, I'm a lesbian. I mean, I have just never experienced that until the last five years or so. And it just seems like people are so angry all the time and, and they're always, you know, wanting to lash out at someone else. And I don't know what that's about. I mean, I know our, our leaders, our politicians, uh, doesn't matter what your affiliation, our politicians are really angry with each other. And, you know, they're supposed to be the leadership. They're the people that that our kids look up to and, and that we're supposed to look up to that are leading us, leading this country. And they're just horrible with each other. They call each other names and, and they tell lies, just out and out lies about each other and make up stuff. And it's so hard to, to, to figure out what's the truth and what's not. Uh, most of the time I have to check, you know, four or five different sources to figure out, you know, what, what, what I heard on the news, how much of that was the truth and, and how much of it was, you know, just to get higher ratings. You know, I think divisive they can make us, the, the more power they have and the more control over what we do they have. And that's just, that's really frustrating to me that everyone is so angry, it seems like, and just wanting to lash out at each other. So I want care team to feel like a safe place. And the thing that I really love about it is important to us. We have a very nice facility and it's very important to both the board and me when we started building this new place um, six years ago that that it look and feel just like a private physician office because I don't think that just because you don't have insurance or you don't have money 
you should get less than other people. So I wanted everyone to walk through who walked through the door to know that they were getting good quality care and they were getting the same care that everyone else is. And what I love about our facility and and our patients is that you you really can't tell. You can't go into our waiting room and you know, pick out the people who have great insurance and pick out the people who have a lot of money and the people that have nothing. It's just, you know, everyone looks the same. Everyone is the same. And um, I love that. I love that. People feel deserving, not feeling like they're walking into the Medicaid office and trying to get something for nothing. And it's just a really wonderful, welcoming place to be. Sounds like that really makes a difference. Um, because I could imagine that, you know, it takes courage for some people to actually walk in and, and make themselves vulnerable and say, I need your help. You know what I'm saying? So I could I could see how uh, it being a welcoming place would be a big deal. It is. You know, I think uh, we always take the, the few bad actors in whatever situation it is and, and seem to lift those people up as the example of, you know, who we are. And, you know, I, I'm just in my years of working uh, in health, in healthcare particularly, there are so few people that just walk in the door feeling entitled and that we should give them everything. Most people are like what you said. It's really hard to to come in and not have, you know, all of the money that they need today, but still get care and still get their medications and that their health is taken care of. You know, we're, we're not a free clinic. We can't be that. That's part of our designation uh, as the health center. Um, so people do have to, to pay something. But I think we have a great sliding fee scale. And, you know, if someone gets behind on their payments, we'll do a payment plan for them. And I don't want anyone to feel embarrassed or not worthy of uh, the, the care that they're getting because, like I said, everybody should have health care, and it shouldn't be a privilege just for the folks who can afford it. So I totally agree with that. So let me ask you this. You, you've talked about uh, Care Team Plus. It is such an awesome program, and, and you're an awesome person, right? We got history. I know you. You are an awesome person and an awesome CEO. But when it's all said and done, and it's time for you to pass the torch and walk away from Care Team Plus, what do you want your legacy to be? Oh, my goodness. I want it to be just just that. And we have really built a healthcare facility that people know that they are welcome, that they are safe, and they're going to get the same quality care as anyone else would get anywhere else they go. I just, I think that's so important because that is what they get at Care Team. And sometimes I'm not real sure how we do it. <laughs> the difference between being a federally qualified community health center and being a federally qualified community health center look-alike is that we have to do everything and be everything that a community health center, a full-fledged community health center does, but we don't get government funds to do it. So it takes the people who have insurance and and can pay and um, uh, for us to be able to take care of the uninsured folks. And you know, I just feel grateful that we've always done pretty well financially. I'm a social worker uh, by trade. I never thought 
that finances would be something that would be part of my life. I always hated finances, but uh, we seemed to do really well. We, we went through COVID. We didn't lay off one employee. No one got a pay cut. Um, uh, I think we went the first year with no raises, and that was the first in the 15 years that Care Team had existed that, that I didn't give folks raises. Um, but uh, we have since, and I just feel really good about that because really a lot of huge um, organizations, the hospitals, you know, some of the other community health centers laid off lots of employees, and we were able to keep them, so... Uh, I feel good about that. I tell my employees that, you know, it's my job to take care of you. It's your job to take care of the patient. So I'll figure out how to keep us going and take care of you. You do what you can to take care of the patient. I like that. So, Johanna, tell the listening audience one little known fact about you that nobody really knows that you don't mind sharing. Gosh, probably that I'm I'm an introvert. Think of People probably think differently about me about that. That I, I like to, you know, be out in crowds and and meet and socialize with a lot of different people. And, and um, I'm really an introvert at heart. It's hard for me to get out in crowds, especially with people that I don't know. So. Well, I can tell you that we have something in common. And I think for me, in my case, I think that my time in law enforcement and in the military and you give so much of yourself, right? In in service. And so when I have time just to be alone and enjoy myself or not be, I get you. I mean, I'm totally, I'm the same way. People don't believe it, but I really am the same way. So I could, I can relate to you on that. It's hard to find time to take care of yourself. But it's important though, right? It is so important. It is so important. So one last question. What do you think if you had to say one thing uh, that's stopping our local communities, our state, our country, the globe uh, from uniting people and getting everybody to get on the same page so we can move forward together? <sighs> I think social media has been one of the worst things that's ever happened to us. Facebook and all the platforms after that, they've really, you know, they started out as a way to connect people. And, you know, when long after it started that people were not really connecting at all. They weren't getting to know people. They weren't having relationships. They were they were talking through the computer and not um not meeting, not having any kind of heart connection with another person. And I think that's one of the things that has made it so easy for, for folks to be ugly and mean to each other because you don't know the other person really that you're talking to. You know, I think if we could just put the devices down sometime and start going back and spending time with our neighbors and our our friends and our community and, you know, helping out the person down the street that that's sick and needs their yard cut or whatever it is, instead of, you know, fussing because so-and-so down the street hadn't cut their grass in three weeks, we'll, you know, take the time to find out why, what happened, been in the hospital sick or whatever. We've lost our compassion. We've lost our connection with other people. And I, I think that's one of the issues that's that's created the divisiveness in, in our society. And that is why I created this platform and called it Safe Conversations where, you know, people all walks of life can come on and we can just talk. You know, I truly believe that communication is the key 
to the human race, to our survival. You know what I'm saying? We don't we don't do a good job of communicating. And I think that if we would just sit down and talk, talk, just talk, we can figure out that we're really the same. We want our our loved ones to to be healthy. We want to protect them. We want our children to grow up and be productive. We want to live as long as we can. You know, at the end of the day, we we really want the same things, but we don't lead with humanity. I think sometimes we lead with politics and, and other things, uh, but but we, we need to find a way to get uh, humanity back at the forefront. I agree 100%. 100%. Yeah. So I've really enjoyed you being uh, on the show tonight, especially now that I know that you're an introvert and it really took a lot for you to even <laughs> step out and come on, you know, saying I'm really happy and excited about that. And I'm very thankful uh, to you just to be able to learn more myself about Care Team Plus and share with our listeners as well. Uh, would you like to share some information on where someone could find out information about Care Team Plus? Sure. Um, our uh, clinic location is on off Singleton Ridge Road um, and uh, down from the hospital. And I say between the uh, Conway Medical Center and McDonald's, so it's really easy to find. It's on the road. Um, call in our office. Uh, 843-234-0005. Um, we can get you an appointment. Uh, we can usually get new patient appointments in within a week, uh, same week. So we've got room for new patients, and we'd love to have you and uh, see if we can help out. That's do you have we a do. website? We do. Uh, Care Team Plus. That'll get you to our site and tell you all the wonderful things we do. I really just skim the surface. We do so much, so much that I think is important. So check us out. See what we got to offer. All right. Sounds good. Thank you again uh, so much for being here tonight. And uh, and I thank everybody for listening to another episode of Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits, uh, our special guest, uh, Johanna Haynes. We thank her so much for being here and we will see you next time. The Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast is hosted and produced by Kevin Waits. Executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcasts. Find Kevin Waits on Facebook at Kevin Waits and join the Safe Conversations group. Follow the Mino Line Media Podcast Network on IG at Mino Line Media. Get the Mino Line Media app in the App Store or Google Play. The Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast is a Mean O-Line media production.